This is the Scoop Me Out podcast. I'm your host and coach, Jorge Chavez. My goal is to uncover people's stories who dare to amplify their professional and personal life. If you want to discover how they grow from challenges, this is your podcast. What labels do you choose for yourself? Or do you let others set labels for who you are? Listen to Gemma's story on how she learned to overcome the default stereotypes of society. Starting her career in the U.S. military, she got diagnosed with a brain disorder that almost got her blind. She then decided to move to Ecuador, and if you want to know how she ended up in Ukraine with her daughter and husband, and how confident she was leaving her job in Microsoft. You have to listen to her story until the end. I, yeah, I was born in the United States and, you know, kind of had a not so good childhood and decided I wanted to join the army. So I went into the army and then through that, um, life took me to Ecuador And um, from there, yeah, from there, I actually went back to the United States and then from the United States over here to to Ukraine. So it's it's been an adventure. It has been an adventure. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, So many different experiences that you have as part of your career. So why you decided to join the army? Yeah. So, you know, like I said, my childhood wasn't very good. And for me, I thought that joining the army was my way out. It was a way to improve the situation. And, um, and then I did join and I spent a couple of years in the army and, um, you know, unfortunately I, I, you know, I loved the army, but I didn't have a good experience. And that's one of the reasons that I ended up giving out was because in 2007, um, I actually was raped and my commander in the army at that time had said, well, if you were a better soldier, it wouldn't have happened to you. Wow. And so, yeah, so he actually initiated my exit from the army hmm. and I, I got out and um, I was really into working then. I worked for the U.S. government for a while, stayed in the United States, and then I had some health issues. (laughs) And when I had those health issues, I was going through the United States government at the time for like army disability. So that was my health care. They told me I couldn't work anymore. And since I was getting like a disability check from the government because of, you know, some of the experiences I had in the army, I was like, well, if I can't work, I can't afford to stay living in the United States. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I, I started deciding where I was going to move to. And I ended up deciding on Ecuador. Hmm. So that's what took me there. That was kind of the transition from wanting to better my life into like ending up in, in Ecuador. Right, right. What was it like to join the army and having someone telling you that if you were a very so- soldier then this wouldn't happen to you. Oh, it was so tough. It, it completely changed, like, it, it completely changed who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. As far as, like, it was already hard 
very difficult to join the military because it's pretty much all men. So Mm -hmm. there's some stereotypes about women in the military, for sure. Um, Women in the military are usually there, you know, for, for whatever reason they join. But if they get promoted, the women usually did something special to get promoted. Mm -hmm. And like, women would be treated differently. And it was tough. It was really tough. So I always tried really hard to do everything just like the men did so that Mm -hmm. there wouldn't be any, oh, well, you're a girl. Mm. And um, then when my commander said that, like it, it just completely destroyed me worse than actually getting raped at all did. Mm. It completely destroyed me because I was like, wow, this is a person that I'm supposed to trust. And for him to say that because I didn't do my job as a soldier good enough, Hmm. that I like brought this on myself. And so it really stuck with me. And for a while, like I was, I mean, I was devastated. I was suicidal. I was just, I was medicated on so much medication. It was, it was ridiculous. And um, I worked and I worked and I worked and I worked because I thought that I had to be a perfectionist because if I made any little mistake, somebody could get hurt. So it really shaped who I am as a, as a person today. Yeah, I can see that. And so given the fact that you were having these stereotypes of, you know, being a woman in the, in the army, what kept you going? Well, the comments from my colleagues were actually not any better than the comments that I would receive as a child. So, I mean, like I said, I didn't have a very good upbringing. So it was really Uh similar. It was a lot of, you know, being put down and told like, you can't do this and you can't do that. But what kept, what kept me going was I didn't have another option. Mm, Like I didn't, that was the only way that I really could survive. And I was like, okay, it's this or go back to like your mother And that was not an option. So I was like, I would rather learn from all of these people and see what happens because I know at least if I'm in the military, I'm getting paid. I have a roof over my head and food. And so I knew that like that was better than being homeless or being with my mom. So that's what kept me going. You you, you mentioned before that going to the army was a way to escape from your childhood memories and stuff. Was going to Ecuador kind of a similar thing, escaping from, from the army? A little bit. It, it wasn't escaping from the army so much because my commander, after he said that for me, he said that I was not fit to stay in the army. And so uh-huh. they actually discharged me. And so oh. I was honorably discharged. Um, and I continued working for the government, though. Hmm. And... Um, when I got sick, I had, um, they call it pseudotumor cerebri. And so I had a lot of swelling and pressure in my brain and it was changing my vision. And the army had said, okay, well, we can, we can give you brain surgery and eye surgery to correct your vision loss. And it was so overwhelming because I knew (laughs) what kind of treatment you get in the army medical centers. And it Mm -hmm. wasn't something that I wanted to do. And I couldn't afford private health care. So I thought like, okay, if I can't work, I can't survive in the United States. 
So mm. what am I going to do? And so I just sold absolutely everything I had. I packed two bags and I bought a plane ticket and showed up in Ecuador because it was the cost of living was uh-huh. a lot cheaper in South yeah. America than right. in the United States. Also, Ecuador uses the US dollar, so I didn't uh-huh. have to worry about any of those conversions. <laughs> right. Um, right. So yeah, I went there and uh-huh. it was it wasn't really an escape from the army, but it was more of like if I stay in the same situation, nothing's uh-huh. going to change. Uh-huh. So I had to do something. And since I was getting a disability check, I knew that I could survive without working in Ecuador mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. at least be able to have a, an apartment and things like that. And I didn't yeah. have anyone else. I didn't have family or friends or anything at that time. It was just me. Mm-hmm. So I was like, why not? <laughs> yeah, you, you you found a way to change, you know, and, and this, this, uh, This situation just remind me of a, a quote. I don't, I don't remember exactly where I read it, but it says that you have two options in life. You know, if you want to change, it's either the, the, the pain from changing or the pain of regret, which is not changing. And it seems that for you, it was mm-hmm. something more like, well, I need to change and I'm going to go through that thing. Even though you, you have never been to, to, to Ecuador back then, right? You just decided that you needed a change and otherwise things will not, will not be good for you, will not be better for you if you stay. Exactly. Hmm. So going to Ecuador as a woman and being in the army and, you know, you just decided to pack everything up and go in there. What about that stereotype? You know, like you were traveling alone as a woman and oh yeah that was that was a little scary because I yeah I didn't know what to expect when I got to to Ecuador and I just showed up and I was like okay here we go and I could for sure see the stereotypes like any you know it was really strange Um, at first I kind of stayed to myself because I wasn't feeling well um, because of my health issues but then I threw away all of my medicine and I started getting better. And as I got healthier, I started venturing out more. Mm. And I started working with other expats that were immigrating to Ecuador mm-hmm. and doing some translation from Spanish to English for them. Okay. And as I would go out, like, of, of course, as a woman, like, I think the, I think the hardest thing was actually not being a woman, but... <laughs> In a, a strange reverse scenario, it was actually being a white woman because the first thing most men would say is, oh, do you want to marry me? And it was automatically like I learned as it went was like, because they wanted to get a citizenship to uh-huh. the United States. Right. So it, it wasn't like I had taxi drivers ask me that, like, can we get married so I can go to the United States? And I was like, uh-huh. no. <laughs> so... It, it took me a long time to trust people because I wasn't sure like who really wanted to befriend me because of being me or mm. who was just after, because there was this stereotype that like all the white Americans have money. And so, you know, that presented some problems too when I made friends. That was, that was tough. And I ended up m- meeting somebody 
Mm-hmm. And we, we didn't have a relationship or anything like that. But from that, I did get pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I found out that he had had a wife and children. And I was like, what? Like, this is, this is crazy. I wasn't even expecting to get pregnant because of my health issues. Right. And then I found out that this was kind of a cultural thing there. Hmm. Like most of the, the married men had these like amantis, if you want mm-hmm. um, <laughs> to, to give it a word, that's what yeah. they would call them. So mm-hmm. I didn't realize how common that was until, mm-hmm. until that happened to me. Yeah. So it, yeah. was, it was strange, but I learned a lot. I really did. You know, and, and that's so typical, you know, uh, I, I, I am from Costa Rica. So here, you know, the culture here in some, some things is kind of similar. And, but I, I have to admit, you know, there is a stereotype of, you know, if you are a white woman and blonde and everything is like, oh, you come from the US. So yeah, sure. She probably has money. And I haven't seen that one, you know, that stereotype of oh, let's marry so that I can get the, the green car or the visa or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there is though, like the, that, that stereotype of being the other one, you know, the, the lover and yeah. How do you overcome yeah. that label? It was, it was hard. Like I, you know, my daughter's father, we didn't have like a relationship. It was mm-hmm. a, a one night stand, but it was still a hard thing because I was like, wow, like I, I never would have done that to anybody knowing that if somebody was in a relationship. So that was a weird thing for me to kind of process. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I was like, you know what, this, this is different. It doesn't mean that it's right or wrong. It's just mm-hmm. not something that I'm used to. And I have to realize that I'm, I'm in Ecuador, I'm in a different country. And, you know, I have to either adapt mm-hmm. and figure out like, do I want to be an American living in Ecuador? Or do I want to be like other Ecuadorians? Mm-hmm. So I started acting, you know, more like an Ecuadorian and shopping at the local places instead of trying to set myself apart. And I learned so much from that so much. And then I started making friends that would tell me like, Oh yeah, this is, this is what we do instead. So I think having that experience really helped me realize um, what I wanted out of the experience Mm -hmm. and, um, and how to move forward from it. Right. Right. So let me fast forward to the time that you were in Microsoft. Was one, one, one of the things that got my attention when I first met you, it was, I think it was a post that said like, today's my last day at Microsoft and so many things happened there. So tell us more about that. What were you doing in Microsoft and what happened that make you quit? Yes. So when I was in Ecuador, I started working as a freelancer online. And I worked for this platform called Upwork. Mm. And I got hired on by a company called Accompli. Accompli app got bought by Microsoft. And they kept me on as a freelancer. But then they eventually asked me if I wanted to move to to California. Mm. And I was like, oh, I don't know. That's kind of scary. I'm living here in Ecuador. I have like a kid. But eventually I took them up on it and they completely moved me to California. Mm -hmm. And I was on the team a total of six years. Well, kind of fast forwarding, what had happened was my manager 
it was his first time managing. And, you know, whatever the case was from his experience, I, I don't really know. But what happened from my experience was I met my husband at work. We worked together for a few years. Okay. And at first I was like, well, you know, we work together. This is a conflict of interest. And I told my boss right away and he said, no problem. Don't worry about it. I'll get it approved with HR. Everything's good. And I was like, okay, well, he, my, my husband lived in Ukraine. And so I was like, okay, well this summer I would like to go stay with my husband. And so him and my daughter can spend some time together. And I asked my boss for approval and he was like, yeah, no problem. Go over whatever you need for me. Let me know when I get over here within like a month um, or yeah, I think it was like a month. My boss calls me and he's like, Hey, you, you have to return to the United States or you're going to lose your job. And I'm like, what? And like, what do you mean? I was like, well, you know, my husband and I are currently going through, changing my passport last name and everything. Cause we were actually married here in Ukraine. Okay. And so I didn't even have my passport at that time. He's like, you have to return or you're going to lose your job. And I was like, I don't have a passport right now. I was wow. like, I can't leave this country even if I want to, mm-hmm. because the U S embassy has it. Mm. And he was like, well, then we're going to have to figure something out. He put me on three months of unpaid leave So I had a mortgage in the United States. I had my dog, all of my stuff, and he puts me on unpaid leave. So I have bills not only in the United States, but also in Ukraine. Uh And it was a mess, you know, three months of not getting paid. And it was a decision. It's like, well, what do we do? I mean, there was a a lot that went into it. Um, But after talking with HR and my boss, Um, we decided the fastest way to actually get me working again was to transfer my job to Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, so if that's what we have to do, that's what we have to do. We transferred my job to Ukraine, but the pay cut was huge, Mm -hmm. like huge, because there's a big price difference between Ukraine and the United States. Mm -hmm. So even on the salary that I was getting in Ukraine, I was not able to afford my mortgage and everything in the United States. I had to sell my house and I had to sell everything from Ukraine because I wasn't allowed to leave Ukraine now Mm -hmm. because my boss said that if I went back to the United States, I wouldn't be able to work. So it was an absolute mess. And so I knew I had a one-year work visa. During that time, I started reevaluating like, what do I want to do with my life? Because I'm really miserable here. You know, I've learned a lot from this job, but I'm really, really miserable. What can I do to move forward? That's when I made the decision to become a life coach and transition out of Microsoft. And so now it's been like, it's been almost five months, but today's actually a very special day. Oh, really? Because when I returned to Microsoft, my boss told me that I would have to fire a whole bunch of people, like 36. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. So I had to tell all of them that they were losing their jobs and it had nothing to do with their performance, but just based on where they were living. So their country, and it had a lot to do with like legal rules and regulations on um, working. So I had to tell them that 
And I was lucky that I stayed because I was able to give them a year's notice. Today Mm -hmm. is actually the day that all of them are losing their contracts. So um, if any of them are watching, like I just, I feel for them deeply and, um, but they will do great moving forward. So Mm -hmm. it, it was, it was one of the reasons that I wanted to do the podcast today, kind of mm-hmm. like, well, it's been a year since I kind of gave you guys notice and this is your last day. So. Good timing. When you were, now that you're in the Ukraine and you are a life coach and everything, being in this country, there are also some stereotypes. Uh, and you know, you know that I live in China and I am surrounded by also these expats and, yeah. and things and you know, sometimes when we, when people think about Ukraine, it seems like, well, first of all, very cold, but also the people, they seem very cold. And it seems like, well, what am I going to do there? And now that you are in this journey as a life coach, what about that stereotype? You know, like, uh, how are you helping people there? What, what's going on with, with, with your business there? Yeah, so I, um, most of my clients, that I'm coaching are English speaking clients. Mm-hmm. So they're from the United States and in Europe, well, all over the world, but they mostly speak English. So I don't have any clients in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, Ukraine has its stereotypes, but what I've learned in everywhere that I've lived is that there's good and bad about each country. I mean, there's stereotypes about Americans and sometimes you know, I get really embarrassed being American because they're like, Americans are loud and they're dumb and they don't know geography and uh-huh. like all of this stuff. And so sometimes I get embarrassed. And um, here in Ukraine, it's not so bad because I feel like I look like most of the other people. Uh-huh. Whereas in Ecuador, I stood out because I'm, you know, blonde with green eyes. But here, there's a lot of other people that look like me. Mm -hmm. So unless I start talking, there's nobody really pays attention to me. But as soon as I start talking, everybody looks at me Mm -hmm. and then they have all of these stereotypes about Americans, you know, have all of this cool stuff and the government is so great and all of these amazing things because people still have that image of the American dream. And, you know, I don't know if that's really the case anymore. But it's still it's still something that's out in the world. Right. And you mentioned before that a way for you when you were in Ecuador, a way for you to start to get rid of this stereotype was to blend in into the things that the locals were doing, yeah. you know, like going to the market and things. So would you say that getting rid of, of overcoming stereotypes, the, the way of doing it is by blending in to what other people are doing and kind of have a low low key profile on the things that you want to do first but first start to you know blend into the, into the others it's hard because i think blending in is only one piece of it because you know it, it's tough being a person that travels because whenever you go to your home or your birthplace mm-hmm. it's different because you're different right you've had other experiences now so things are different. And as a different person, then I find that if I return to like my home state and meet some of my friends, they're like, Oh, you're, you're not the same person we know. And I don't feel like I fit in. Mm -hmm. So I don't feel like I fit in anywhere because it's the thing about traveling. So I think that's Mm -hmm. why it's so important to wherever it is you're living 
to learn the culture because no matter what, you're gaining that experience. You're trying something new. If that culture and that experience works for you, great. Use it, move forward. If it doesn't, great. Use it and move forward Mm -hmm. because, you know, everybody is unique. And I think that that is the most important thing. And it's hard for me to remember that sometimes. I have a a really amazing husband that reminds me of that. Mm -hmm. But um, it's, I think it's a lot easier to be myself now that I have my husband and my daughter and we all living in the same house. We're traveling alone. You know, I felt that it was safer to try to blend in Mm -hmm. because if I didn't get like, if I didn't stand out, then maybe like nothing bad would happen type of thing. So I've always kind of kept a low profile. I think that's Mm -hmm. just more my personality, but Mm -hmm. everyone is different. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone has a a different style of of overcoming these things. Would you say that stereotypes, stereotypes are things that sometimes we see in society, but who at the end of the day has the, the control or the choice to decide that this stereotype is going to, is going to affect me or not? You know, I think the stereotypes are there no matter what. I think that the person living wherever they are, it's up to them to decide what they're going to make of it or not. Yes, those stereotypes exist, but Mm -hmm. if there are stereotypes that exist and it's actually a part of you and you like doing that, whatever stereotype, Mm -hmm. if, if you're an American, for example, and you're a loud person and you happen to fit that stereotype, you know, does that mean you should change it? Not if it's you and you enjoy being loud, just continue to be loud. Who cares what anybody else thinks? Right. But at the same time, like if it's something that affects you and you're like, hey, I don't want to be that stereotype, then it's it's that person's decision whether or not they're going to change that about them themselves. And it's also up to the person what they choose to identify with. Like if I want to label myself as an American, mm-hmm. then, you know, I'm giving that label power. Mm-hmm. If I label myself as, you know, a woman in danger, then I'm giving that power, like whatever I, whatever label I want to create, that's, that's me giving that label power. Do we need to have labels for everything that we do? I don't think so. I think that we don't have to, but if we choose to, Uh that's, that's the important thing. You know, we shouldn't feel obligated. You know, if I want to identify as an American, then great, I'm an American, as long as I have the right mindset about it. But if I want to have a negative mindset about it, then it could be a problem. You know, that's like anybody in the world when they, you know, label themselves as as something, they're giving that power. So it's up to you if you want to label it or not. It's, it's It's a choice we all make. Yeah, absolutely. It's a choice at the end of the day. So Gemma, for someone who has been yeah. USA, Ecuador, the army, and having now Ukraine, and dealing with all these different things in life, what can you say to someone who, who has labels by choice, but also has labels by society? How do you create a life that you want without getting attached to those labels? That's a good question. I guess my advice would be, once you recognize and identify 
the labels that you've placed on yourself or that society has placed on you. Mm -hmm. I think identifying them first is the most important because there might be some there that you didn't even realize that you had, but it was given to you from childhood. And so once you identify those, then it's asking yourself, do these serve me or not? Is this something that I even want to identify with or not? And then you get to decide what you want to do moving forward. Like each person, we're in control of our own life. So if that label or whatever is something that we choose to identify with and be proud of and move forward, great. You can have more than one. You can say like, you know, I am a a strong black woman. I am a strong white woman. I am a strong black man, whatever it is. Um, I am a gay woman, whatever you want to put down, that is your choice. It's your choice. And if it serves you, great. If it doesn't, let it go. <laughs> and ask yourself, how's it going to feel if I just let this go? How do you don't take it personally? I think I do sometimes. I'm not perfect. And I know these things and I believe in these things, but I still have um, a struggle sometimes. <laughs> but for me, you know, I've done a lot of research when I had my brain problems on the brain. And we have all of these little neurons that fire and all these synapses. And when we do something repeatedly, it like makes this pathway in our brain. And the more we use it, the easier it is to do. So when we want to try to do something new, we have to kind of like chop down all the weeds and forge a new path. Mm -hmm. And if we go back there the second time, it's still overgrown. It's not an easy path. We still have to work at it. So sometimes it's easy to default to old habits or old behaviors. So it's just something that the more we recognize it, the more that we do it, um, the more we're able to change it and have a different mindset. And for me, that's what I've been trying to remember. If I make a mistake or if I get negative or something like that, I think, you know what, this is just a moment. I get to choose how I want to feel. It's my decision and I'm going to fix it. And next time I'm going to use a different terminology or whatever. Well, there you go, everyone. In order to overcome these stereotypes, go back to the old habit of choosing your labels. Or if it's not an old habit, make it a new habit for you so that you can decide what kind of labels or stereotypes that you wish you you have in your own life. And just uh, to to wrap up this this episode, Gemma, what labels have you decided for you to have in your life? I do like the label of being a wife and a mom. Sometimes people are like, well, you can't do that. You're very feminist. And I'm like, yes, well, I'm also a feminist mm-hmm. in the woman's right to choose whatever she wants. I want to be a wife. I want to be a mom. I want to be an entrepreneur. I am Ecuadorian and American and Ukrainian. I'm a citizen of the world. I'm a life coach. These are the labels that I identify with. Where can we find more information about about your life coach business? And if they want to contact you, where can we do that? Yeah, I plan to officially launch my business later on this year, but mostly I'm on Instagram at G-E-M-N-A-T-U, Gemnatu, at, um, at Instagram and also at LinkedIn. And so those are the places that everyone can find me. Thank you so much for your time, Gemma, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone.
Bye bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please leave a review and subscribe on Spotify or Apple. 